0: So how does a 25 year old afford this $2.6 million quadplex in the best parts of Sunnyvale? We're gonna have a sit down interview so that you can learn some of the tricks of the trade, but also some of the ways that it can work for you. Now, you may not be interested in buying up to 2.65, but this is gonna be really helpful to get the insight to the thought process, the lending options, how much you really need to save, why this may be a better option than a traditional single family or a condo in town. Hall. Let's jump into the interview. Right, Richard, well, thanks for being on this show. I'd love to get a little bit of your backstory, right? So it's incredible. And this is what I tell a lot of people and a lot of people on this channel. It's not about the age. I mean, money is part of it, but it's quite frankly more the mentality than anything else, right? So please tell us a little bit of story. So high level, when you were 25, so I guess what, it was two years ago, you bought a quadplex in Sunnyville. Now, before we talk about the real estate side, let's talk about like the origin side. How long have you been in the Bay, and where are you working, or what was the story? So
1: my story is pretty traditional. Uh, I'm from like a traditional Asian family, and uh, my parents wanted me to be traditionally successful. right? So uh, I studied software engineering in college uh, from a pretty good school, Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, then I came out of uh, college at 21, and then joined Facebook in um, 2018. And so I moved over to the Bay Area. Um, but one of the formative experiences for me was in 2016 summer, I was interning uh, in the Bay area and I was stuffed like sardines into a, uh, four bedroom house. Um, so it was an Airbnb and they stuffed 22 people in that four bedroom. Now who, who stuffed you, the company or yourself to save money? Uh, there was, um, it it was like some guy who owned a house, uh, through, through Airbnb. So he was running this hacker house and I was thinking, uh, if he gets a K from each of us, that's like 20,000 a month in just rent. Right? So over those three months, you can make back the mortgage for the entire year. Um, so, at that time i was like okay i want to be like this guy and i want to have my own house right so at first i started looking for like a four bedroom house because i wanted to do the same thing right but then uh, people started cracking down on airbnbs and people really frowned upon that right um, and utilization is hard and it's a lot of work um, if you're going to actually manage a house like that so i learned about fourplexes um, and then so uh, i started looking for the search um,
0: for a fourplex wow and that was one of the questions I was going to bring up. Did you run the math of like condos, townhomes, which would be way cheaper versus obviously a fourplex is a lot more like what was the decision? Was it because it wasn't the price itself? It was what your the potential of total rents to the value of the home would be. Is that part of the logic or why a fourplex, why not a duplex, triplex?
1: Yeah, so um, fourplex... So in computer science there's a concept called linear programming where basically the optimal solution to a problem usually lies at one of the vertices. So at one either uh one extreme or the other, right? So um in this case, uh four four bedrooms or four apartments is basically the maximum you can get before you hit commercial real yeah. estate. So once you hit commercial real estate, um, you know, the loans are different and like uh much worse. Actually. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. um so kind of uh that's why we don't go beyond four, yeah. right? So four um, was kind of the maximum, and then uh, so single family homes are nice, uh, but um, like I said, the the rent, renting out for the yeah. run to the
0: value exactly. wasn't really working for you at that at that point. Okay, and then so how did you land up one this price? Uh, and why don't you share how much it is? To why like Sunnyville, mm-hmm. right? You can go Santa Clara is cheaper, San Jose is even cheaper. Or you can go like Fremont or whatever. There's a lot of different options that are are still quadplexes but uh, that they're also cheaper like what was the thought process of here
1: too right so um when i first moved to the bay area uh since i worked at facebook up in menlo park and mm-hmm. so i thought the center of the bay was kind of like mountain view palo alto Which but obviously it kind but, of is yeah yeah those are obviously the most expensive yeah. right um so um but however, as I've been in the Bay Area longer and longer, I feel like a lot of my friends have gravitated south, and maybe now Sunnyvale is kind of like the central area. Though I kind of wanted to be central, um, and this place cost me two point six five million um, at the time. And uh, yeah, basically, I didn't let price be an issue, um, and I just bought uh, what I could afford uh, with a good uh, like with a good value. Um, I calculated the cap rates and the uh, the gross revenue multipliers, the GRNs, mm-hmm. um, and th- this one worked.
0: Uh, yeah. And walk us through about the cap rate for this. And for those that don't know, generally cap rate, it's kind of simple to calculate, right? You take the monthly rent, total monthly rent, but that's also something we'll talk about separately is like, there's many ways to calculate monthly rents. You can do it by a family renting out each individual whole unit but the thing with like a multifamily, like this is not just a, it's not all a one bedroom, right? It could be two bedrooms, could be three bedrooms. So you could, and we'll talk about this a little bit, rent out still individually per room and do different things like that, right? Now, when you ran the cap rates, were you, what were your metrics? Were you assuming I'm just gonna do a family each and that's it? Or were you gonna truly even optimize it more? Or this is technically almost like an eight or nine bedroom and just go individually rent, like individual rooms. Like what was the thought process there? Yeah, so um, those are very good points.
1: Uh, so when when I looked at it, I wanted to optimize for the most amount of money for the least amount of work. Okay. Um, so I was willing to invest money. I don't have that much time to invest. So um, I decided to just rent these out normally as like each unit um, to different families. And then I c- had the current rents, uh, and then I had what I estimated I thought were the market rates. And then
0: uh, I just calculated it out and it, it works well. And so walk us through the numbers back then when you bought it. Like, what were you projecting it, total rents for? Um, fortunately, a few years ago, the rates were lower. So what was the math like there? Was it was it already break even? Was it still a monthly loss? Uh, and then walk us through like the whole thought process. Yeah. So in Sunnyvale, everything is pretty well
1: uh, arbitraged. With...
0: Yeah, it's... Like there's no real like yeah opportunity yeah there's a no real die especially if you want to meet the good parts right just to be mindful where he bought for this price this is in the southern parts of Sunnyvale. the southern parts of Sunnyvale is the best parts of Sunnyvale, so it's also the most expensive right now if you are living maybe in lakewood which is the northern parts um there's not that many multi-fourplexes there anyways uh but that's the idea if you really want to meet the best parts you're not necessarily paying like absolutely premium prices But you're not going to be able to... Don't don't be disillusioned to be like, you're going to buy these things at a massive discount just because you
1: want to. Yeah, I heard uh, Northern Sunnyvale has like a lot of toxic waste from
0: like the Silicon production or something like that. Yeah, they have these potential Superfund sites. And to be fair, Mountain View has the same, Palo Alto, some of these areas. Very expensive and they still have that. But yeah, keep going. And and I heard uh, Sunnyvale is one of the safest places in the entire nation.
1: So that... Is kind of answering your previous question, but I'm sure. you... Can't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I heard Sunnyvale is one of the safest places in the entire nation. So um, that uh, fu- that factored in a lot to my purchasing decision. Um, the rates at the time were 3.299 for me. Um, so uh, actually, for multi-family home, it's more expensive than single-family home. Uh, my friend bought a 2.65 uh, million place at 2.799. A little after. A little after. Yeah. So like okay. um, when the rates were like about the same. So uh, that, that's kind of
0: like the delta you're looking at uh, for single family versus multifamily. Um, yeah, so walk, walk us through the numbers. Like, how much did you put down? Uh, was it 20 plus percent down? Was it less? Like, walk us through that first. Yeah, so I put down 20% uh, because I wanted
1: to avoid the uh, private mortgage. PMI. PMI. Um, and so that was kind of like a minimum for me. So if I couldn't afford that, then I wasn't going to buy or I was going to buy something cheaper. Um, so I really scrounged around. I live pretty frugally, so um, I saved for basically like three or four years um, from a software engineer salary uh, at Meta. And, uh, you know, I think anyone saving a lot uh, can afford it. Uh, I definitely had to give up a lot of things like hanging out with friends or like a lot of times I would go to restaurants and not eat, uh, but all towards like this kind of end goal. Um, and uh, yeah, the the monthly payment I have is like $9,700. Uh,
0: okay i think i think i I do want to drill this down a little bit more right because this is very important for a lot of people to understand so people that work in big tech uh whether they're engineers and starting engineers you weren't like i mean maybe you are but you weren't like um some sort of ai specific person where those incomes are like million dollar plus a year like it wasn't like that kind of situation but you all, you have very good income. I mean, the people that are graduating straight out of CMU, straight out of school, and they work at big tech, they're making very, very good money. But the, it's not about making the money. It's also about like, how do you actually save the money? Right. And I want people to really understand this. There are plenty of your coworkers that live in View today for a two bedroom, really, really nice place that spend between four to six grand a month, right? And think about that. Think about that over just the same time that you spent. Like if you, if you just multiply that by three years, how much money is that? That's like, what, 150000 plus. Now, what did you do during that time? I, I might guess is there's no way that you uh, stayed in one of those super luxury places. What did you do? Because you already had the mindset. So maybe a, a little bit on the extreme side of not like going out and, and not like eating. <laughs> that's a little bit extreme, which is okay. That's that's That's, uh, that's okay uh spending all this money on clubs is is pretty crazy too but what did you do from a living perspective to minimize that to not pay that four to six thousand dollar a month lavish apartment life Mm -hmm. for sure yeah Spencer brings up a really nice point uh when i first moved here
1: um i was under the impression that the bay area was super expensive so uh, i was looking for the cheapest thing uh obviously splitting with a roommate um that's a great way to reduce costs yes um so when i moved here i was in like a thirty five hundred dollar place $3,500 $3,500 a month place. I split with a roommate, so $1,700. But then as I got familiar with the area, I realized that it doesn't actually have to be that expensive. So the next year I was 1500 um splitting a house with four people. And then even after that, I was
0: 1200 living in a room in a house. Um, yeah. And that's because you actually weren't that familiar with it, right? If you knew what you knew on year three, on year one, you probably wouldn't have even gone through that setup. Exactly. I started at the 1200 Yeah, you started 1200 And that's that's a, not a secret per se, but kind of like at the end of the day, especially you work at a, a great tech company, or if you're even out and about, like you're not in the home that much. You're basically your bedroom a lot, either sleeping or doing work or whatever it may be. Right. So one of the smartest things, and quite frankly, the cheapest option is you just rent a bedroom in a house. Right. Because it's a, it's a win for everybody. It's a win for that landlord because they, to be fair, the math of their end is better for them, for, you to, for them to individual rent out rooms. And then for you, it's way cheaper, right? Because like you can share a kitchen. How often are you necessarily cooking, right? Especially if you work at Big Tech, you can eat all your meals there five days a week. so your expenses are actually quite minimal, right? You can go to the gym there. There's plenty of stuff there. So optimize as much as possible, right? But uh, you save a tremendous amount of money even though it was already way cheaper than the alternative of a three to 4,000 a month place, that it's equivalent alone to, what is that? About 30 something thousand a year, Mm -hmm. right? That's after tax. Yeah, that's post tax, right? This is all like post tax, which is very, very critical. So as you can see, like there are approaches and this is what I encourage other people to do. The Bay Area can be expensive. It can be extremely expensive. Like the 6,000 a month plus is not even the most expensive two bedroom it could be. Imagine if you rent a three bedroom or, or even more lavish place. Like, it can get even more expensive, but it doesn't have to be either, right? Just like Richard's goal was like, hey, look, I saw this when I was an intern. So one really big kudos to even see at that young age. Most people, when they're interning, they're just there to have fun and just enjoy, enjoy it because they got a really good opportunity. But you already kind of saw it. You're like, wait a second. It's actually not bad for me, but let me just do some quick math. The landlord makes how much? Holy cow. Okay, I gotta I got to get on that position as soon as I can, right? And and so that's how like the game plan occurred. But that wouldn't have occurred unless you had an initial game plan like, all right, how do I save as much money as possible during this time? I make good money. Unfortunately, Meta stock did fairly well over the last couple of years too. Um, And now you own a place in your mid-20s, right? Now, that's like the situation right now. What are your plans next? You've you've accomplished your first milestone, right? Which is you got a place in your mid-20s, um, and you're already uh you're already in the position of where you thought of that when you first came as an intern. What what is next for you? Like do you f- do you feel like you just want to roll this again and just rent out this one and move to the next one? Or do you plan to do something different? Or have you not thought about it yet? So I have thought about it.
1: Um so I probably won't roll this again just because uh the financial situation is a little bit different now. Interest rates are like six, seven percent. They're really high. Um and Frankly, it would be a lot of um, or like basically being too too concentrated. Yeah, not sure. Too too invested into like multifamily homes in the Bay Area. All right, so oh, so see, see. yeah, you bought a second one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, next for me is probably uh, that. This is where the lifestyle creep comes in, right? Like yeah. you you make money. Yeah, exactly. You make money to some point. So yeah, next for me is probably buying a single family house, like getting married, uh, moving in with my then wife. Then, like,
0: So that would be more of a traditional approach then, Mm -hmm. right? But this was how you got into your first place. Mm -hmm. This is where you continue to build equity. And who knows down the road, do you have a vision of potentially selling this and doing an exchange down the road? Or this is just what it is, just leave it. So my vision down the road, probably I'll keep this one. Uh, And then my single
1: family home that I'll buy, it will be like a starter house. And I envision that I'll have to upgrade that. So when I upgrade that, I'll probably rent that one out um, in a more traditional manner. Um, But... This way, I always have this uh, locked in with the low interest rate uh, for the next thirty years. Got it. Now,
0: if fortunately you had the 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 early vision to do this project when rates were lower. Now, if I don't know if you had a chance to to do this, but let's say you graduated and start or started two years later, mm-hmm. and you're in this situation today, right? The rates are what they are. They're out of your control. They're out of my control. Let's assume that even they're in the eights if you didn't have a home how how would you play it today like would you still go for a fourplex because of the uh because of that thought process that you had before would you start with something just cheaper and and just lower costs like how would you play the game today given all the people that are watching this they may be in the same boat as you but the rates are what they are mm-hmm
1: I would probably, uh, I'll probably just have to go cheaper. Um, you know, this is, would be unaffordable based on the numbers. Like we could afford it based on our salaries, but you're paying a lot of, uh, like mortgage interests, right? So, um, th- that's like what you want to avoid. Uh, basically, even though the interest rates went up just a little bit, I think the monthly payment went up from like my nine K to like now 14 K or something like that. So I wouldn't even be able to afford this place. Um, renting out those three units, I make about 10 K a month. Um, uh, and so, uh, that pretty much covers my mortgage, uh, right? And then, so I basically live in this unit for free, kind of. Um, and But, you know, you'd have to look look cheaper and put more down, I think. Uh, at the current rate, my bank interest rate is higher than my mortgage interest rate. So, like, it's advantageous for me to just keep it in my bank account and accumulate interest.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now, that's a thing. This is a, a good point for a lot of people listening. Like, I know most people that have a loan, uh, there's no reason to, for them to, for any of us to pay it off earlier, to be fair, right? Because our risk-free return of even a money market account or just some treasury yield, it's like between four to 5%. Mm-hmm. And if your rate is under that, then you're technically making some money, even though you're paying a little bit to the mortgage side, uh, the, the interest side of things, right? So that's, that's something that people don't really get that there isn't that much distress. Now, obviously if you lose your job and you didn't have any reserves and that's different, but if you're just, even if you didn't necessarily earn a whole lot more money, you just had enough to keep paying the mortgage, which as you as people have seen from this math, right? If it, if your total payments is, let's say 9,000 plus a property tax, let's say it's a, a total of 11,000 or something. It's only like a thousand bucks a month that you're paying, which is equivalent to like 10 grand a year, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's, there's very little distress, obviously if everybody can't pay and then there's other issues and that's a different, uh, black Swan event. But ultimately you can see like, so like Richard was already in a strong financial position from back in the day. And let's go over this too, because some people don't really factor this. Did rents actually improve through the last few years? Like what was it before? And Then you mentioned now is kind of a combined of 10,000 for three units. What was it when you actually bought it? Yeah. What, was, it even, was it even vacant or um, what was the situation back then? So yeah, um, I
1: think when when I bought this place, it was a pretty unique event. Uh, as I understand it, when people buy these uh, multifamily homes, they usually keep all the tenants or most of the tenants. Uh, but I think the previous landlord treated them pretty badly. Uh, and so all the previous tenants actually left. Um, so it was a pretty stressful time for me. Uh, I was looking uh, to fill out, you know, three whole units uh, worth of vacancies. Uh, but when I bought the place, I made sure that I was able to afford all the the um, mortgage by myself, basically. Um, so, it, you know, obviously I don't want to be in a position where I would become insolvent. So I always keep like six months of, you know, reserve just in case, you know, something happens. The economy is kind of getting bad now. So uh, it's a lot more relevant now. Um, And yeah, rents have gone up. Um, So I price this pretty aggressively so that uh, the utilization remains pretty high and the tenants are happy. Um, I'm not trying to nickel and dime any of my tenants, but yet um, I think the markets have supported like uh, you know a maximum like 10% increase year over year and uh
0: i think they've been very happy uh we have been very happy for sure so i guess from 2 years ago what do you think the rents were what are they where are they now you think they're about i guess now is what is like 3300 per each one um so so it varies uh let's say a two bedroom cuz yeah. a two bedroom two bath for the other units yeah so Some the units? yeah
1: the other ones start out at maybe like 2300 now it's like 2700 okay. uh, or something like that uh, basically like a
0: 10% increase uh, for the last two years because of inflation is. Because that's the thing that people have to also get, right? Like, even though when you first calculate the math and you, rep- you have to run the numbers accordingly, Bay Area prices, but also Bay Area rents don't typically stay stagnant over an extended period of time. There may be months and times where it goes up and down slightly, but over an extended period of time, it's just more likely that the both will rise and most, quite frankly, rise more than inflation. And so that's something that people have to kind of factor in. Even though uh, rates are higher and the numbers may or may not work today, it's also the aspect is what is the alternative? Like you brought up if you were going to you were gonna buy, in a sense, regardless of what rates were, right? You're just going to make it work. Now, it may not be Sunnyvale anymore, right? But it may be then neighboring cities like Santa Clara, or San Jose, and things like that now what what would you say as we conclude what are some of the lessons learned or what are the things that you wish could have been done from this whole journey is there any improvements that you thought i wish i could have done that Just, but realistically like you can't say i wish i would then a little bit earlier you didn't have the foresight per se but is there anything of the process that you felt could have been done better or improved um uh, it definitely
1: wasn't perfect but i feel like i didn't make any huge mistakes okay. um I, I think as long as you're in this lane uh it's like you know having a huge tailwind behind you um and yeah i think um yeah no super big mistakes i know there was this one fish that got away uh mm-hmm. and it was this 2.8 million dollar place and like it was kind of when i first started looking so obviously when you look uh there's another cs concept called the uh um the secretary problem but basically when you look you discard the first uh n over e uh contenders basically and then you look for the best one after that. So that was like one of the first ones that I actually analyzed and it may have happened to be the best one. Exactly. But you're like, maybe something else comes around or this is like my baseline. Yeah, exactly. It was like my baseline. I didn't know where the market was. It was a two point, it was listed at 2.5 it sold for 2.8. Um, so there's a bit of a markup there, but I think the place was much nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rents were higher mm-hmm. and then the value increased. I think it was like 3.3, uh, last I checked. Um, so like the, the amount of increase was more. So I think, um, you know, really, if I had just pulled the trigger on that one, I think that maybe is like my one kind of regret.
0: And and it's a very fair one for a lot of people. Like right now we have way less homes that are being transacted than even 2008. That's how much it has changed. And so what I share with a lot of people with that kind of aspect, because everybody starts at a different time. There could have been a way, but one of the solutions that I have found with a lot of other buyers is, even though you are just looking now, real estate has been going on every week, every month prior to you looking and definitely after you looking. And so what I like to do is, okay, here's all the things that have actually sold for the last three months prior to, let's say you just start looking. And so that way you had some impression that even if you're looking every single week to three months prior, you can see how does this compare to all of those. And, right, and if you had that information or if a lot of other buyers had that, they'll be like, this is actually pretty darn good. It's not a matter of time to find something better. It's like, I know I'm not looking that long, but if I compare this to these other ones, I need to have the confidence to move forward with this. Right. But, but everybody kind of has to learn on their own. Right. Sometimes I I can give you all the information or I can tell you everything, but you may be like, no, let me, I want to visually see all these. And then you may feel that way down the road yourself. But it's also very important for those that just start looking at whatever the timeframe may be that understand look homes have all sold before when before you started looking today so what has sold and how does that compare to all these other ones feel free to drive by those other ones and then you can then make a more confident decision hey look like, actually I'm this was a really good one I need to still give it a try because to be fair the thing also that was brought up was you said it was listed at 2.5 and ultimately sold at 2.8 like there was no guarantee that you would have got it anyways Right? Maybe you bit of, made a bid at 2.7, that was your value, and then you still went lost, right. right? So even though that one got away per se, you weren't even 100% guaranteed to get it, mm-hmm. right? And so that's also a completely different mental thing too for everybody to be mindful of is like, just because it came and go, gone doesn't didn't mean you were the only buyer, clearly or not, if there was people that were able to comfortably do that, but you still wanted to have the confidence that you wouldn't have the least the regret of not that. even trying for it, exactly. Right, and that's a different story. Well, Richard, this has been a great story. I also know you have uh, your own kind of YouTube channel that you've been growing. You can tell the audience a little bit of like what you might have in mind and and uh, we'll put the link in the description too. For sure, it sounds good. Yeah, subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Richard Lee Zhu. Um, I
1: do kind of unboxings and just stories about my life as a Silicon Valley uh, machine learning engineer now. So, um, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, I bought two McLaren's that I rent on, out on Turo. Um, so... Yeah, check it out for uh, th- those kind of videos. Cool. Well, very good. Appreciate it. It's a lot of fun.